Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Starting in verse 16. We will only read through verse 19. Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 16. For who having heard rebelled, indeed was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let's pray. Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we do bow ourselves before you to say thank you for another day. Thank you, Father, for the occasion for which we gather this morning to worship your name, Father, to lift up praises to you, to hear your word fed into us. Father, we pray that you would guide us throughout this time, that you would open our hearts and minds to the message you have laid out before us. Father, I do thank you for all the mothers. I thank you for what they stand for. I thank you, Father, for the choice they made. If they never made another good choice, they chose life. And I thank you for that, and I thank you for them. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This scripture that we read this morning is actually a reference to another time, a reference to another story, a reference to an event that we can turn to and we will and read about this event. This is a reference to something that happened at a different time in history. But its effects was still the same the day it was written, and its effects are still the same today as I preach it to you, as I read it to you, and as we speak about it. And that reference is, unbelief is a promise killer. Unbelief is a promise killer. We're going to see an example, a huge example of that this morning. We're going, to, we're going to talk about and dissect a time in history that this verse of Scripture in Hebrews points us back to. This is a reference to an event that happened a long, long time ago. We're going to go there in Numbers chapter 13. We won't be back to Hebrews, so if you're following in your Bible, you don't have to hold that spot. Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to go through the entire chapter 13 in the book of Numbers, not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to talk about the whole thing because this is an awesome story and it has a wonderful lesson in it for every one of us. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. God is talking to Moses. And he says, Moses, the promised land is just over there. The reason you brought these people out of Egypt and into this wilderness is right over there. I need you to take men of each tribe, leaders among them, 
and send them to that land and let them spy it out. But he made a comment in the midst of this that's very, very important. It says, send, them to spend, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Which I am giving to the children of Israel. Don't miss that. God said that directly to Moses. This is the land that is promised to this group of people. Choose from among them leaders. Leaders. And send those leaders to this land to take a look at it. To spy it out. Oh my goodness. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 20. Now, I want you to understand something. This, this part of this story was not... I went the wrong way. Is not the original plan of God. These spies were not a necessary part of this plan. They are a result of the whining children of Israel. Okay? Number, uh, Deuteronomy 120. That ain't right. Go back to 19. So we departed from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites as the Lord our God had commanded us. Then we came to Kadesh Barnea and I said to you, have you come to the mountains of the Amorites which the Lord God is giving us? You hear that? Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord your, the God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. And every one of you came near to me and said, Let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. This is an answer to their prayers. This is an answer to their request. Let us send somebody out. This is a promise that God has made to them and they are terrified of it because they can't figure out what's between them and the promise. Their focus isn't the promise. That's their problem. Their focus is not the promise. Their focus is the hindrances to the promise. The, the long trip, the people between them and the promise. It, it's all got them bum fuzzles. They can't get focused on the promise. This is a problem because this leads to something else. Numbers chapter 13, verse 21. Numbers 13, 21. Now, now what we skipped over here um, is, is them telling you specifically who the spies are, which, which tribe they belong to, and, and them choosing and making this list also in there. Um, they tell you that uh, Joshua and Caleb are among these spies and they're the ones that are going to go. Okay, down at, at verse 17, he gives them the uh, instructions of where to go, how to get to the land, to bring back some fruit from the land, to spy it out, look at everything, check everything out. In verse 21, 
So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went in up through the south and came to Harab, Amahin, Seshay, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Then they come to the valley of Eshcol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They cut down one cluster of grapes that was so big they had to tie it to a pole and two of them, one on each shoulder, had to carry it. Have y'all ever seen a cluster of grapes that big? Me neither. Me neither. What had God promised them? God had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey that its fruits would be so great they'd never seen the likes of before. What are they doing? They're cutting down one, bu one bunch of grapes that is so big they had to put it on a pole and two of them carry it. While they were there, as the scripture uh, goes on, they came to the valley of Eskol. They cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between the two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. So they got grapes, pomegranates, and figs. What have they been eating? Manna, bread. The place was called the Valley of Eskol because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there, they renamed the place because the cluster of grapes that they cut was so big. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now these are the leaders chosen one from each tribe. Caleb and Joseph, I mean uh, Joshua, are amongst them. They've been gone for 40 days scoping out the promised land. A land that in, in, the first, in the first two verses of this scripture says, the Lord says, which I am giving to the children of Israel. You're going to spy out your promise. This is your promise. This is what I am going to give you. This, you're walking on looking at your promise. Now, how long has this promise been in effect? A long time. It's promised to Abraham. He's long gone. The children of Israel left Egypt in captivity, entered into this wilderness or this desert on their way to this promise. This is the promise. It, it, this is the promise. Here's where it gets good. This is where we've been trying to get to all morning. Numbers 13, 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses. They've been gone for 40 days, right? They departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. What was the fruit of the land? A, a vine of grapes, one bunch of grapes so big that two men are carrying it on a pole. Y'all, I've killed deer at 14 years old that I could throw over my shoulder like this. They're carrying a bushel of grapes on a pole between two men. Do you see the significance of what these guys have seen? 
Do you understand that this isn't just walking up to a grapevine and pulling some grapes? Do you understand this isn't just the average place? This is the answer. This is their promise. This is the promise. And they come back with two guys with a bunch of grapes on a pole. Keep going. They told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. They've seen the fruit. Now they've got the description. It truly flows. Somebody in the bunch needs to stand up, raise their hand and goes, Hey, this is the place God's been talking about. Hey, this is the... We came to the Red Sea and it parted so God could get us here. Quite 105 million quail rained down from the sky to give us meat while we were in the wilderness in order to keep us alive so we could get to this. This is the promise. This is what God has told us about. That this is the place that we were, God let manna rain down from. We've experienced so many miracles in our lives just to get to this promise. This is the promised land. Instead, here's what we get. It, 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 it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit as they point to a bunch of grapes that I've already described and I won't describe no more. Nevertheless, it truly flows with milk and honey. They point over here at this big old thing of grapes and go, that came from there, but... Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now later in this scripture, but I'll stop here and tell you, we find out that Anak is descendants of giants. Great big guys. People like Goliath. Y'all remember Goliath from the Bible? His size, if y'all remember that description. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jezebites, and Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Do you know what that list of people right there was? All the enemies of the children of Israel. It's got milk and honey. And this bunch of grapes that these two guys are carrying on this pole came from there. Nevertheless... We've seen descendants of Anak. We've seen giants in the land. We've seen strong people in big cities. And we've seen the enemies of the children of God surrounding this place. They live in every section of this promised land. No matter how you come into it, we've got to go through our enemies to get there. We got, we got to face our enemies. These are the people that have been chasing us since we left Egypt. These are the people that's been trying to kill us at every turn throughout the history of Israel. This is the people that want to destroy us that live in this land. So some of them cross their arms and go, this must be the wrong promise. This can't, this can't really be where God's sending us because it's too hard to get there. This can't really be where God is sending us. This is where our enemies live. This can't possibly be that promise because it's full, it's full, it's 
full of, of giants, people that want to destroy us. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. There's more of them than it is us. God has made a mistake. This can't be the place. It can't be. It can't be the place. God, this can't be the promise you have for me. How many times have you prayed and prayed and you discerned and you spent your time on your knees and you tried and tried to make sure that exactly what you were hearing was exactly what God desired for you to do and you open your eyes and you look up and you see the path leading to what you know God told you and you go, that can't be right. I had to misunderstand. That can't be it. My enemies are over there. It's too scary over there. That promise lays outside of my comfort zone. That answer lays outside of a place I've never even been to. How many times have we known that the promise is just right over there and because we don't really believe that God can do what He says He can do, we don't ever get to touch it. How many times has our unbelief kept us from receiving the biggest blessing God had in store for me at that time in my life? I turned because of unbelief and went, that can't be it. How many times have I walked away from a situation because it looked so insurmountable? How many times have I gotten more focused on the hindrances than I did the promise that it cost me to never even see the promise? Watch this. Y'all have heard this description, right? Of who's there. Who's dwelling there. Now look at this verse. Look at verse 30. Listen to this voice in verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb. Caleb recognized it. Caleb said, this is our promise. Caleb looked around and didn't see a bunch of people that would be overtaken by their enemies. He seen a bunch of people that God had promised something to and he said, there's the promise, we can do this. Caleb understood that God doesn't call you to something that he doesn't equip you for. He may not have been able to explain it. He may not have been able to break it down. But he knew and he understood if God says that's our promise, we can get there. Caleb had the right mentality. Caleb had the right mindset. That's going to be important later. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. The people that are in the land will kill us. The land itself is able to eat us up. It ain't worth it. It ain't, that's what they're saying. It's not worth it. Don't go there. We ain't got a chance. We'll never win. You can never overcome them. If you overcome them, the land will devour you. You ain't got a chance. Stay here. Do you know how many times in my life 
that I was pursuing something only to be told by the people around me, you'll never make it. You can't do it. You can't achieve that. You can't reach that. You can't get to that. It'll eat you up. The people will kill you. They'll laugh you out of here. And the whole time I was going, God, I hope you're right and they're not. <laughs> because I believed what they said. I knew logic added into this equation and I went, you know what? They're right. This is going to be tough. They're right. This is going to be hard. They're right. Those people will laugh me out of here. They're right. But you know what I come to learn? Ain't never one of them as smart as God. And if he says I can do it, I can do it. Go back to high school when I was there. Yes, it's been a little while. Not as long as some of y'all, though. Some of y'all's high schools ain't even married no more. So don't laugh at me. It ain't been that long. Barely, but mine's still standing. When I would take zeros in classes because they said you got to do an oral book report. And I said, I'd just soon take a zero. I'll work hard enough to get it up to a passing grade. I ain't standing in front of nobody and talking. I ain't comfortable with that. Yeah, I did. I really did. I really took zeros throughout high school. I had to work extra hard on written stuff to make the grades add up to at least a passing grade because I didn't want to stand in front of people and talk. To be honest with you, I don't really like it now. Okay, that was a lie. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Stretched that one a little bit, sorry. <laughs> but in and of myself, I'm not capable of this. In and of myself, I'm still that scared teenager that didn't want to be in front of people, that didn't like to be... I, just, I made. I wanted to make people laugh so I could direct where their laughter was going so they wouldn't be able to laugh at me. And God has taken that and turned it into standing up here on a pretty regular basis in front of some pretty good crowds. Some pretty rotten ones and some pretty good ones. But I enjoy it. I really do like it. I really do desire it now. How many people that I have talked to that I went to school with and told them what I do today and they go, uh-uh. No, you don't. No, you can't. You never did. I know, I didn't. I didn't. How many times have we allowed people to convince us that it's not worth the effort to get to that blessing or that promise? How many times have we listened to the voices that say, you can't overcome that to get there. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And if the people don't eat you up, the land will. That's what they were told. That's what they were told. Keep going with me. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There's some big folks over there. Y'all don't want to mess with them. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. 
And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers. They could squish us with their foot. <laughs> we seen it that way, and trust me, they said, you don't want to go over there. You don't, you don't want to try that. And Caleb and Joshua's going, but it's our promise. <laughs> it's our promise. God started out the conversation with Moses by saying, to the land of Canaan which I am giving to the children of Israel. It's yours. Now I don't know how many of you know the rest of this story. None of the people in this congregation set soul on that promise. You know why they weren't allowed to enter in? Unbelief. They didn't believe it. Joshua and Caleb. Who did I tell you stood up and said, hey, we can do it? Caleb. See, Caleb believed it. Although he was surrounded by, by thousands upon thousands of people. See, we always get in our mind that the children of Israel is this little group of 25 campers going through the desert. It's not. By the end of 40 years, it had been a, a few million people that was involved in this track. Moses, their leader, didn't make it because of disobedience. And all the generation that started the trip died in the wilderness because of unbelief. They weren't allowed to see that promise. They weren't allowed to enter in. Joshua and Caleb... Joshua and Caleb led the others in. They, Joshua takes Moses' place, Caleb by his side, and they get to go and see the Red, I mean the uh, Jordan River stand up in a wall of water and they enter into this land. And if you keep reading this story, it's a pretty interesting story where they start to, to, to conquer the individual people who were in their promised land. These folks in the story I just read to you didn't get to see their promise. You know why? Unbelief. Hey, unbelief is a promise killer. Unbelief is a promise killer. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 verse 31. That ain't right either. Oh, no wonder. Try verse 54. Oh, that's what he's got up there. Maybe I should just put my notes down and ask Mark what's next. Thanks, Mark. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished and said, Where does this man get this wisdom, these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. 
But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief is a showstopper, y'all. Oh, oh, unbelief is a promise killer. You know, it ain't many things in this world that can keep that. As a matter of fact, in my notes, I put dot, dot, dot because I started that same thought. Nothing stops Christ except unbelief. He can do anything that you can't imagine as long as unbelief don't get in the way. Can you imagine the things that these people did not get to experience because they did not believe? Can you imagine what Jesus' family, his brothers and his sisters missed out on because of unbelief? And what were they using? To, to, where did their unbelief come from? It came from logic. They knowed him. They knowed his mom and his daddy. They seen him grow up. Their unbelief was rooted in logic. Mark chapter 9 and we're done. So what's the cure for my unbelief? Mark chapter 9, 21 through 27. If you've been in this church more than about four times, you've heard this before. So he asked his father. Now this is, this is a, a guy has brought his son to Jesus. His son has a, is demon-possessed. This demon will grab this little boy and throw him on the ground, throw him in the fire. He lives within the boy. This father has come to Christ. And, and, and he asked the father, Jesus asked the father, we're cutting in in the middle of the story. How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. So I'm going to assume this isn't a seven or eight-year-old kid. This is at least a teenager. Because the father's answer said, from childhood, he's been dealing with this demon. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, he's begging, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Remove this demon. Jesus, if you, I know you can do it. Please do it. If you can do anything, have compassion on us. Remove this thing out of my son. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can come up with the faith the size of a mustard seed, all things are possible. Look at this man's response. Immediately, right now, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe. I, I wouldn't have brought him if I didn't believe. I wouldn't have walked all the way up here with him if I didn't think you could do it. But help my unbelief. You know the only cure for unbelief in my life and in your life? Prayer. 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 Because see, we're physical beings. We're built out of flesh. 
And that flesh gets in the way so many times. And the only thing that stops that flesh is the spirit person that lives inside of us. And that spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit is our guide. And he's sitting over here going, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Why did you do that? And the only way we begin to listen to that spirit and, and not get that far is through growing that spirit. The flesh inside of us can eat off of anything in this world. Go home and turn your TV on and put it on what you would consider to be a decent channel, a decent show. Watch Andy Griffith. The flesh will feed on the commercials. Go home and just decide, you know what, we ain't watching that thing no more. The only thing we're going to use it for is to watch the news. We've got to know what the weather's going to do. The flesh will feed off of it. But on the other hand is the spirit. And the spirit's a picky eater. And he only eats certain things and he only grows from certain things. And all the things that the spirit grows from is a conscious decision by you to feed it to him. It's not by accident. prayer time. It's time in God's Word. It's time surrounded by like-minded believers. And if you don't believe that, if you can't conceive that in your mind, I promise you, you are only a couple, no matter who you are, me, myself, as the, one of the pastors of this church, I'm about two bad decisions from being Right back out in the world where I came from. There's nothing in my life that's been conquered or removed that I've done it. Nothing. So it'll all flood right back in when I lose my focus and when I stop feeding my spirit. Listen, unbelief is a promise killer. A promise killer. Unbelief is a dream smasher. Don't let unbelief creep into your world. Don't let unbelief rule your world. There was millions of, of children of, or thousands of the children of Israel that never got to enter into that promise because of unbelief. This story goes to a bigger scale. If you put the followers of Christ or the people that have a desire to be in heaven where the children of Israel are and you put the promised land as heaven, the story's the same. The only thing that keeps you out is unbelief. Unbelief. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Let's pray. Father and our God, again, I just come to you to say thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this message. I thank you, Father, for each one that's here this morning. I ask, Lord, that right now during this time that you would touch hearts, that you would pull upon folks, Father, that you would allow your spirit to guide those who need to be in this altar to this altar, that you would show us, Father, your desire for our lives and that you would help our unbelief. Father, I believe you. I know you are who you say you are, but help my unbelief. I thank you, I love you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.